And the title is this, The Unconditional God. Do we know that we serve an unconditional God? And I was praying about what I was going to say. Pastor had told me that I was going to speak this Sunday. And it was kind of funny. I was sitting over here last Sunday in worship. And God just started putting all this in my heart. And I realized then and right there, okay, God, this is what you want me to speak on. And so I just began to sift this out and and begin to pray. And so let's do this before we, we go any further. Let's just pray and ask God's leading on this message. So Father, I thank you again for this time. I thank you that this isn't about me. This isn't about any man, but this is strictly about you, Jesus. This is about your words. This is about your Holy Spirit moving and working in us so we can be the light bearers that you've called us to be out in this world, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you've called us to this place to build us up and to equip us. So Lord, let your word equip us let your word build us up today and we thank you for it again father in jesus name we pray amen so the main text is in james chapter 1 and i'll be starting in verse 16 and i'm going to read from 16 to 18 so that's the main text and it'll be up on the screen but if you want to pull that up on your device or in your bible go right ahead so it says this don't be deceived, and I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. So, what is the goal of today's message? I want us to think about that first off. What is, the, what is the purpose of what I'm talking about today? Some questions to think about is this. Do bad things or situations in my life come from God? I think that question is presented a lot in our world today. People will ask that question. Some of you already know the answer to that question, but we're still going to go through that because it's good for us to be sure of what we know, right? I want to know that I know that I know. And I think sometimes the problem is, is that we allow um, unbelief or we get a little unsure of who God is in our situations and we start to question whether or not this is Him or whether or not this is something else or it's the enemy or it's ourselves or whatever we want to label that. But we begin to question that. So do bad things or situations in my life come from God? Another question is this, does God's nature of who he is change? Um, apparently today, there's like a million different Jesuses today, right? I mean, like every time I get on the Christian news or anything like that, it's always like, oh, this guy's discovered this new Jesus, and this new Jesus talks about this, and he allows this type of you know, sin in your life, and you can follow him and have this in your life, or, or, or he accepts this, and it, it's, it's just constant changing, right? I've noticed that today. We're seeing people fall away. We're seeing people saying that the word of God isn't the word of God, which is all false. But the problem is, is if we don't know the true nature of God, then we don't know how to discern what's true and what's not true. So it's important that we know what that is today. So does God's nature change? That's the second question. Third question is this. What are God's good gifts? We see here in this chapter, we see or in this, these two verses, we see James say this. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father of heavenly lights. What is that? What is every good and perfect gift? Some people think a gift is something like a thing that you get, an object. Sometimes a gift is, could be something far different from that. We put uh, different, I, I guess you could say terms on the word gift, right, for different people. If you grew up with 
being um, maybe less fortunate and, and not as blessed as other people, something as small as a cold drink could be a gift. Whereas if you grew up a little more, I, I don't know what the word to use, but just with, with more means, yes, then, then maybe, you know, to you a gift is getting something on Christmas. But we're going to talk about what are God's good gifts in our lives. What are those things? The first point is this, for this morning is this. Don't be deceived about where good and bad things come from. Why is it important that we're not deceived by that? Because of this reason. Some people could take a bad situation and say that God put that on them. And then some people could take a good situation and it not be God that's put that on them. We have to dis- be able to discern as Christians, and that's when the Holy Spirit really comes and moves in His gifting and in His power, and He gives us the discernment that we need and the understanding that we need when we go into a situation to know, okay, who is promoting this situation? What is the situation coming from, whether it is good or whether it is bad? So it's important that we're aware of that because I think a lot of times, again, as Christians, we, we jump to really far conclusions sometimes, one way or the other, Right? And we have to be aware. So James chapter 1, again, verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. What was James talking about here? Why was he talking about this? Why was he saying don't be deceived? Well, if you do this, if you take your Bible and you go back and look in the same chapter. So go to chapter 1 and you look at verse 2. You say this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And it says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if we think about this, if we think about why we don't need to be deceived, we understand when we're faced with the trial in our life, and listen, I'm going to touch on two things in this good or bad situations. I'm going to talk about trials, I'm going to talk about temptations, and why it's important that we understand where those things are coming from in our lives. Because if we get deceived, and we think that a situation that is being put on us, again, is from God, that it's not from God, and we carry on with that, what do we think is going to happen in our lives? We're, we're going to be walking out of the will of God. We're going to be, sometimes, listen, we all have good hearts, right, in this place. We all want to do good things. But sometimes your good heart and what you want to do in your good heart isn't what God wants to do specifically. And that's not because he doesn't take what you feel or what you think into consideration. No, it's because he's God and you're man. And he's called you to obey him. Period. He's called you to follow him. So we see here, James, he's talking about trials. He's talking about how Christians... Should be, should be viewing trials with joy. If I understand and I'm not deceived when I go into the viewpoint of a trial, I can take it with joy. Why? Because if I know who God is in my trial, then I know he'll carry me through my trial. I won't see my trials. See, I know people with the trial come, they're like, oh, I'm in trials. I'm in a, this is awful. This is terrible. I can't believe this. God, how could you do this, God? How could you do this? I've heard that so many times. I had a lady one time in a Kroger tell me that God put a tumor in her ankle. I said, no ma'am. She thought I was crazy. I came up to her. The Holy Spirit led me to her. I said, listen, God did not put a tumor in your ankle. No, he did. He's doing it to test my faith. He did this. I said, no ma'am. There's no way. There's no way. He's called to heal us. Now, 
He may have allowed that to happen to you. But that doesn't mean he did that. And see, that's the difference. That's why we can't be deceived. We need to understand where things are coming from in the basis of what we're facing in our lives. It's very easy to see a situation and go, oh, this is God doing this and he's doing that. And really, in my heart and in my mind, I think of this. I, I, I always go back to this. I go to Job. Job is not the most fun book to read in the Bible. It's not. I remember the first time I read through Job. Uh, yeah. It was, it was a little longer than Matthew and Mark, Luke and John. I was like, man, this is some heavy stuff. I mean, just there was so much sad, so much just, I mean, it's a sad book in the Bibles. You know, you don't hear a lot of people preaching on Job today. You don't. But really, Job has one of the greatest testimonies of God that we could ever read of. And it's simply this. Job, in his trial, realized this. God allowed the trial, right? Let's look at the story. Think about it. I'm not going to go back to the verses and read through everything. But what kind of starts in the beginning of the trial? Job is this righteous man, right? He, he does no wrong in a sense. Of course, he's still a man. We know he's flawed. But he does no wrong. His heart's in good intent. He's righteous. He's always pursuing the things of God. Even though people around him, even though family, friends, situations around him aren't necessarily always for that, he is for God in his life. He's pursuing God in a sense. He has all the blessings of God, the favor of God. I mean, if, if I went through and read all the amounts of cash and sheep and just all of the things he had accumulated and had it was from God and what do we see happen we see Satan come there was a heavenly meeting that's what the Bible says and God called everything to itself in the heavenly place and it says that Satan was there and he begins to you know tell God hey listen all you got to do is take those things from Job. All you got to do is make his life allow me to make his life worse and he'll curse you. You see, God had faith in Job having faith in him. And he realized something. That's okay. You can, you can go do what you want to do with him, Satan. But you can't harm him. You can't kill him. But you could do what you want to do. With him. God allows that trial into his life. Did God create that trial? No. But he allowed it. But what was the purpose of it? See, a lot of times, if we don't read through the, if we don't read through, like if you read through the whole book of Job, you would see Job go through this process. He goes through this process in his heart with God. And he begins to realize, and some of the questions that he had in his life in regards to who God was, those questions get answered through that process. You see, sometimes God will allow you to go into a trial, not because he's trying to put you in a trial and make you feel, you know, terrible and make you feel bad and make you feel, you know, whatever you want to label that. But he goes through, puts you in that trial. He allows you to go through it because he wants to grow you and shape you in that moment. See, we can't be deceived when we see those things. We can't be deceived. If I get deceived and I view my trial as the end, then I fail to know that it's a place where I can grow. It's a place where I can go further with God. Listen to this. Trials are persecutions or pressures, pressures in our lives that are sometimes formed from the world or Satan that God can use to strengthen our faith. He uses it to develop us and to develop in us perseverance and godly character. 
See, God might be taking your trial that you might be in right now. He may have allowed you to step into it, and you may be going through it, and you may be thinking, what, it, what is the good in this? But the good in it is that you are, you are trusting God in the midst of that, and through that, he's teaching you something greater. He's strengthening you in a greater way. He's helping you in a greater way. I, I believe if I wouldn't have been, you know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were in another car accident, and this car, our, our last car got messed up, you know, and it's like, oh, my God. But I think about this. If I wouldn't have been in that situation, I wouldn't be able to trust God like I have been with the things in my life and seeing him move and work. See, sometimes those situations, they're not there to downgrade us, but they're there to upgrade us. And we have to be aware of that. If we don't, if we don't view it in that way, then we fail, we miss the whole purpose of it. You know, what was the point of the disciples being in the boat with Jesus when the storm was raging and everything was terrible? I mean, they just saw God do so, they just saw Jesus do these miracles, and then they come across and they're going across the Galilean Sea. And I mean, everything is uh, it, it's time to die. That's what it is. It's time to they're in a trial. Okay, God allowed that storm to come. But why? Because God was trying to show them the deity of who he was, who Jesus was. Who is this that could command the winds and waves to stop? That moment wouldn't have happened if that storm wouldn't have been there. See, it developed in them a greater faith. They were like, man, Jesus is... He just did that, now he's doing this? They're probably getting in the rest of that boat ride thinking, oh, something crazy is about to happen when we get across this sea. Why? Because their faith was being built from that situation. Yeah, did they respond in the wrong way? Yeah, but sometimes we respond in the wrong way. But then we see God's unconditional grace and mercy show up, right? He shows up in those moments. When we are aware that we're faced with a trial and we respond in faith, we can be sure that God will always take notice of this. When we respond in faith, even though it's difficult, God takes notice of it. Just like with Job, God took notice of him. Even though you know, his trial was very difficult, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody, he doesn't change even though your trial or difficulty changes. See, that's, that's something I've noticed. Our Jesus changes when our trial changes. Think about it, come on. Your perspective of God changes suddenly whenever things get difficult in a new way. Why is that? That's because you're viewing God based on a conditional way. You're viewing him based on your conditions. And you're not viewing him knowing that he's an unconditional God. He doesn't change. So even if my situation is different from your situation, he's the same God. He doesn't change. But we see, again, we see that so much today. We, people, Christians get deceived. Oh, oh, there's this coronavirus. There's all this crazy. Didn't God heal his people in the Old Testament and in the New? I'm not saying be stupid and, and rude to people who are, you know, again, be in love. But I'm saying the understanding is this. He's not any different. But why are we seeing him differently? I sat over there and I wrestled with that in my heart. You know, recently I was just a few weeks ago. I woke up one morning, and the enemy was just accusing me. I knew it was the enemy. You know why I knew it was the enemy? Because when I was sitting there, I thought to myself, if the enemy is accusing me of something I did in my past, my old life, 
and bring it, you know, old dirt, trying to bring it back up. Remember this? Remember this? You used to do this, and this is how you used to worry. Remember how you messed up here? Remember how you failed here? And, and I was hearing this in my heart. I woke up, and I was upset, and I started to think about it, and I started to let, and then this thought, and I know it was the Spirit of God, came to me and said this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Wait a second, whose voice is this? This isn't, this isn't my father's voice. My father says that I've confessed it to him. My father says that I've been cleansed of it. My father says that he's made me righteous. Whose voice is this? And I realized, this isn't the voice of God. He's accusing me. But if I wasn't careful, I could have easily got deceived, gone down that rabbit hole and had that mindset maybe for the rest of that day. That I was a failure, that God didn't love me, that God didn't want to use me. No, no, no. You see how easy it is. This is why James was saying, don't be deceived. When you're in trials, don't be deceived. Don't forget who God is. Why did the Israelites fail? Because they forgot who God was. The same ones that saw him part the sea were the same ones that said we can't do it. Makes no sense. You see, God's saying to us as a church, he's saying, listen, your trial with this building, this dirt guy, don't let that change who I am. Don't let that change who I am. Your difficulty in your personal life and how you're going to serve Jesus, don't let that change who I am. I am the same God. I'm the same one that brought the blessing when we were blessed with $24,000, and he's the same one when he allows a trial to come in. There's no difference. There's no difference in who he is. We can't be deceived. We have to understand that outside influences of the world that may be coming against us do not change the understanding of who God is. You know how I know that's true? Because this scripture will back it up. Does everybody in this room know Romans 8, 28? And we, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, right? All things. There wasn't like in there, all good things. <laughs> all things. Good or bad. Unsure or sure. All things what? Work together for good because of what? Because I love God. You see, when it starts to change is when we start to change. When we start to base the condition of ourself on God. And that can't change it. Because God's the same, always and forever. If we aren't aware of this, then we're unsure of it. If we don't take accountability in our lives... To keep this at the forefront of our mind when we face situations, we'll become unsure immediately. We'll immediately become unsure. But if we stand firm, I think of David. David knew who God was. When he was going to, to bring you know, the food that his dad had given him to his brothers. Y'all know this story, right? David is sent to go see his brothers who are at the battlefield. Who are they fighting? The Philistines. Who's out there calling them out? Goliath. For days on end, he's calling them out. He's calling them sissies. He's calling them weak. He's calling them to come fight him. And David shows up. I was telling my youth students this past week, you know how old David was? They say he was around probably between the ages of 13 and 15 when he killed Goliath. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? I would like to take a 13-year-old today And have them stand up against someone of that, of that caliber. See, but that wasn't about the situation. The situation was this. David went into the situation already knowing who God was. The difficulty was before him. God allowed Goliath to show up. God allowed the Philistines to show up. The condition was based off of how Israel was going to respond to that situation. 
And what was going on? They were scared. They were shaking in their boots, right? Even King Saul was scared. They were all scared. But then here comes David. Here comes David walking in. Here comes David looking around going, who is this guy cursing our God? No, 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 no. I know who our God is. I'll go fight him. And what it, we know the story. He goes and defeats Goliath. Why? By the Lord's might, by the Lord's power. But why did that all happen? It happened because when David viewed the situation, he was viewing it through who he knew God was. He knew God was unchanging. So he thought, God, you're the same God who killed the lion and the bear for me. You're the same God who gave me that strength. You're unconditional. You don't change because of what I see in front of me. You're the same God, so you'll give me the strength to do what I need to do in this situation. You see, and it applies to us today. It applies to us today as a church. Next thing is this. is temptation from God. It's temptation from God. If you read this book, you'll definitely know it's not. Because he, he says it blatantly. Absolutely not. Temptation is not from the Lord. And we can see that. Look at James chapter 1, verse 13. Okay? This is down here, verse 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and, and they are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. God does not tempt us with things in our lives. We need to be aware. Remember, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Why do I need to say this? Recently on... on and, and I'm not trying to, you know, talk about current events. But recently, there's this gentleman who was uh, uh, on one of those reality shows on TV. Says that he's a Christian. And he says that he's gay. And, and he says that because he's gay, he's so close to God. He's the closest he's ever been to Jesus Christ. And he's full-blown gay. Explain that to me after I read this. Because God would never tempt me to commit sin that, that is against his will. You see, it's easy to be deceived. Why am I preaching this to you? Why, am I, why did God put this on my heart? Because we need to be aware of this. This is what's happening in our world. We need to be aware that there are people in this world who think that they can live a certain way and they've been deceived in thinking that they can live a certain way and that God is perfectly okay with it. That God's patting them on the back and saying, continue. Now yes, God still loves them. He always loves them. How do we know what true love is? Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He always has loved us. But the situation in that, in that aspect is this. The condition of that person's heart or our heart determines on how God's going to respond to us in the end. If the condition of my heart is a, is a deceived condition, then how can I guarantee that this unconditional God that I serve will somehow grant me the grace that I want? If I'm living against what He wants. If I'm... Did, you know, blatantly disrespecting and disregarding what he's called me to obey. Obedience. And so we have to be aware that this is all around us. Temptation is birthed from two major areas. It's birthed from your flesh, your sinful flesh, and it's birthed from the enemy, Satan. Those are the only two areas, oh, of course, this world, but really Satan's in control of this world as it is as well. For, for the time being, of course. But the point is, is we have to understand that if I'm being brought down a, a, a train of thought, or if I'm being brought down a direction that I know blatantly disregards the word of God, that is not the direction God wants me to go in my life. I need to turn away from that. But here again, this is what I'm saying. How many people do we know get deceived by that? 
they go on. Stories of, of husbands, you know, having you know, affairs on wives and then saying that God was okay with it and then moving on. Totally disregarding the fact that God calls one husband to be to one wife. These are situations that we deal with 24-7. And if the church of Jesus Christ isn't equipped to speak the truth to them, then how can we help them? We have to know how to speak to these people and say, hey, listen, you're in a place of deception. That's not what God wants you to do. That's not what God's calling you to do. That's not what his word says. So we have to make sure that we know for a fact that God doesn't put temptation on anyone. We have to know that Satan's goal is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's what he does. That's his goal. That's his mindset. What was the first point again? Bring the first point back up again. Bring it. Don't be deceived about where good and bad things come from. We talked about bad things, trials, situations. We're going to talk about the good things. Don't worry. We're going to talk about the good things. But it's important that we know both. You know why? Because too many people know one side of God and they don't know the other side of God. Prevalent all day in our culture. Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Well, Jesus is righteousness too. He's wrath too. Read the book of Revelation. The first time I ever read the book of Revelation, I got saved again. I was so scared. I was in my room. I was in my room at my mom's, ha- mom's house reading Revelation freshly saved. And I'm like, dear God. And I'm like repenting on the ground. And I didn't have anything to repent of. Why? But my heart knew. This is, this is God just as much as Romans 8 is God. But we have to be aware of that as Christians. We have to know that. And if we understand this, if we know that God doesn't change, then we know that God is unconditional in his nature. Then we see him for who he is in any situation. So in times of difficulty, we see his mercy. In times of correction, we see his righteousness, his chastisement. Thank God for the correction that he can put on our lives. People who don't, you know, who, who, who don't want to be corrected by God. Why would you not want to be corrected by God? He is perfect and good. I would want to be corrected by God. Why? Because I know in the end my heart will be right with God. It will be correct with him. He's the same God today, yesterday, and the next. Think of this. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So what does that simply mean? That means this. We serve a God that is unconditional and he doesn't change. That's the second point. We serve a God that is unconditional and doesn't change. He does not change. Look at verse 17 of James chapter 1. Pull it up. Verse 17. It says, who does not change like what? Shifting shadows. Who does not change like shifting shadows? Everybody in this room has seen a shadow. There are shadows in this room right now. But did you know that shadows are conditional? Shadows are always based off of the light projecting onto that said object. If I turn the light at a different direction, I turn the shadow. The shadow is always conditional. When the Bible says that God does not change like the shifting shadows, it's simply saying he's absolute. He's absolute. He is not limited. He is unlimited. He is unchanging. There is no condition that can change him. You think the state of America has suddenly changed God? And God's like, I don't know who I am. Oh, America, looks what's happening. No, no, God's still the same. He's on the throne going, I got this. It's going to have to go this way because this is part of my will, my plan. I'm sovereign, but I got this. 
And if we forget that, then when we face a trial or we face a temptation, we get wrecked through the whole process. And that's really what's on my heart this morning. Is that we understand that God does not change. He does not change. A shadow is conditional, like I said. If we look at nature, think about this. Think about nature. We can go outside and we can watch the shadows move, right? You can watch it move as the sun moves. James is trying to give us this picture that God doesn't change. What does unconditional mean? I got this from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It says this, unconditional, not conditioned or limited, absolute and unqualified. Simply means this. It simply means this, never changing. That's it. Never changing. It's always the same. God is always the same. And if we see him through the correct lens and understanding, then I can base my thoughts and my feelings on any situation on that. What do we do when we don't do that? We base our thoughts and our feelings off of our condition, not off of who God is. And then we have, uh, here again, a million different Jesuses, right? Oh, gee, I feel like Jesus to me is, you know, he loves me for this, and I don't have to do that, you know. No, he's absolute. If he's absolute, he doesn't change. So I can't say that. I have to know that he's unchanging in my situations. How do we know God? How do you know God? How do you know that God's unchanging? How do you know that to be sure? Simply like this, you see it in his word. We see it in his word. We see it in his nature. We see it in his spirit. We see it in who he is. Look at John chapter 4, verse 23. It's going to be up there. John chapter 4, verse 23. This is a Jesus context. Jesus is at the well with the Samaritan woman, if you don't know what's happening in John chapter 4. So it says, John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, yet a time is coming. He's saying this to the, to the Samaritan woman. He's saying, there's a time coming, and it's now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in what? Spirit and truth. So how do I know God? I know God through worshiping him in the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit, but I also know him through knowing his word of truth. And it's important that we know this, that God would never do something that's not in his word. He would never do something that's not in his word. He wouldn't. That's not who he is. That would be total contradiction. Then what's the point of the word? There would be no point. And who is the word? Jesus. Never changing. When I know God from Genesis to Revelation, I see every part of his unchanging nature. From creation to the end, I see every part of his nature through the word of God. Look at John chapter 8, verse 58. Turn there if you can. It will be up on the screen as well. John chapter 8, verse 58. Oh, we got plenty of time. Okay. So I was like, oh, what time is it? Okay. John chapter 8, verse 58 says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Why was Jesus saying this? Jesus was saying, listen, before your father Abraham, he's speaking to the Jewish people, remember, and they regarded Abraham the highest esteem, of course. He's the one who the covenant of God came through. 
He's saying, before Abraham was, I am. He's simply saying, I'm unchanging. The same God that spoke to Abraham, that's me. It's me. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the same one. See, we can't let, again, our situations change how we see God. God is the same. He's unconditional in every way. Look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. This is Jesus praying right before he takes the cross. He's praying with the disciples. It says in verse 1, it says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, listen to this. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The same God. The same God. He's the same God. Do you understand, church? Is everybody awake in here? Do I need to get cymbals and get James to get on the drums and just start going crazy on them. Listen, the same God that you serve is the same God here in this scripture. The same God that said, let there be light is the same God you pray to and know on a daily basis, personally. Why are we viewing our difficulties with the lens without that? Why are we, why are we letting these things in this world corrupt our viewpoint of God? If he's unchangeable, we should not be doing that. We should be looking at this, this, little, this little hill to God, this little hill of getting the dirt guy here. We should be viewing that simply as this. God, I thank you for the praise report that's coming. I thank you for the fact that this building's going to be done. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fear because if I worry, then I lack something. But if I don't worry, I lack nothing because I have you, God, in my life. I lack nothing. And when we begin to trust on God like that, not just as a church, but individually, I'm telling you, it's contagious. The Spirit moves through it. Why? Because he sees the willingness of a faithful heart. He sees the willingness of a heart that has no unbelief at that point. There's no doubt at that point of what's going to happen. So we have to trust God in knowing who he is. Listen to this. Isaiah 51.10. This is in the New Living Translation. I just like the way that it sounds. It says, are you not the same today? The one who dried up the sea, making a path of escape through the depths so that your people could cross over it. God's the same today. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you are really in difficult situations in your life. And you're wondering, where are you, God? Are you there, God? Are you going to help? God is the same today. Just like he was with this scripture to Isaiah. He was the same then. He's the same God now. Just because your condition has changed, just because the temperature in the room's changed, doesn't mean the thermostat's changed. It hasn't changed. It's still the same. It's still saying the same. It's, we're still reading the same numbers. Regardless of what the number is, it's going to read it. God's the same way. He's the same God regardless of your condition, regardless of your situation. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. Some of you need to be encouraged this morning. You've been viewing things hopelessly, like nothing's going to change. Like God's not going to come through. That's a lie from the devil. Remember what I said earlier? Don't be deceived. 
Don't let the devil deceive you and speak those words to you. Don't let people around you. You know, another part of that story in Job was Job has some pretty messed up friends who were coming by saying the wrong things to him. Some of you have people in your life and they're saying, oh, that'll never happen. That, oh, I don't know about that. Get those people out of your life. I'm not saying you hate on them. I'm just saying, listen, you tell them, I'm not going to listen to that. That's not, I don't believe that. Do not speak that to me. You'd be surprised. You'd be shocked if you said that to someone. What they're, They'd probably be like, don't, don't speak that to me, especially if they're claiming to be a Christian. Tell them the truth. We have to understand that. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He was saying to them at that time, I don't change. I'm still the merciful God, even though I allowed certain things happen to you. I'm still the same God. You think God was still the same God when he allowed me to get addicted to drugs and to live my life in immorality? He was the same God, ladies and gentlemen, and he still loved me the same way. But it was all based off, off of what I was going to do and the condition of my heart in relationship to him. What I was going to choose to do. Accept him, believe in him, surrender to him, or say no to him. And you see, that's the thing. The people who say no. Oh, see, God isn't this loving God. Well, he said no to him. You're going to get mad at God because he's going to be just and righteous off of your decision? What? I, I think there's going to be a lot of people when they stand before God in judgment and they go, well, God, I was this good person. He's going to go, you didn't obey anything I called you to. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving, but I'm still just. See, we have to understand that. He's unchangeable. He's unchangeable. He's unconditional. Look at Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not human. So let's stop putting him in, in, in human thought process. He's not human. Church, he's not human. He's God. It says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Do you understand when God's definite on something, it's going to happen. It doesn't mean it's going to happen in your timing. Well, I had a conversation with a few ladies over here before service. God's timing is not your timing. Did you know God doesn't operate on 24 hours? What do you mean, Pastor Reese? He established that. No, man established that. Just like man established 15,000 different denominations. It's still one church. They're simply day and night. God didn't say this and that. Well, how do you know that? Well, because God doesn't operate in our time frame. A thousand years in one day. One day in a thousand years? Explain that one to me. If he operated on our time frame, he'd be like, 1230, I gotta eat lunch. <laughs> right? It's 12 right now. Almost 12. You see, God doesn't operate on your time frame. He operates on his will and his purpose. And we have to be aware of that, that if he's spoken something into your life, you don't need to begin to change whether or not he's going to do it. If he's spoken it to you, then he's going to do it. If he said you're going to build this church on this property, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if you've got to go through some obstacles, some trials, some difficulties. No, no, no. He only allows those things so you become stronger. I, I know God did things in my life. And I'm using myself because I can only use myself as, a t as an example, a testimony of my own self. But it's this. There was things in, in my life God instant instantaneously took away from me. My drug addiction, I mean, it was like instantaneous. I never wanted to do it again. But there was other things in my life that he didn't take away from me instantaneously. One of them would be this, language. If you would have known me pre-Jesus... I would have used the F word in probably every other sentence. 
serious. You can ask my dad. He's here. I had a foul mouth. I would speak to him in a foul way, which was wrong. You have to understand something. That wasn't something God instantaneously did for me. What do you mean, Pastor Ishii went on these gallivanting sprees of cursing? No, I simply mean this. I simply mean this. When I got upset, I, I wanted to say a word. And sometimes I did say it, and then I said, God, forgive me, forgive me, God. And every morning I would wake up, and this is a prayer. I'd drive to, to school. I'd drive to college, Collin Community College in Rockwell, right up the road from where Tim and Cherish live, right down that road. I'd drive down that road, and I would literally say this. I'd say, God, change my tongue. Change my tongue. And you know what happened? God started changing my tongue. God started changing my tongue. He started changing my tongue. Why? I didn't say, well, God, you're such a loving and good God. It's okay if I say that. No. I'm not perfect, God. No. I said, God, I want to be more like you. I have to change. You don't change. I change. And so I asked him to change my tongue. And he changed my tongue. See, those are things that we have to do to finish that scripture in Numbers. It says, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He's going to fulfill what he's spoken to us and to you. God is always the same. The only thing that is conditional is the choice of our heart that we make in relationship to him. He'll be true to who he is, and that will always be based off of our decision. It'll be based off our decision. How you choose to live your life is in response. Well, you'll see the reflection of God on your life. How do you know that? Well, a person reaps what they sow, right? It's a pretty easy one, right? You could say that one person reaps what they sow. If I'm sowing into the things that aren't of God, why am I shocked when I reap the things that aren't of God? I shouldn't be shocked. I should be totally aware of it. I should be like, wow, my life's in shambles. Why is my life in shambles? Because I'm sowing to the things that aren't of God. And then I'm going, God, I thank you for your blessing. I'm getting you your blessing. And then I'm sowing to the things that aren't of God. That doesn't make any sense. God's not going to change who he is just because you think it's a good idea to sow into something that's not of him. He's the same. That's where correction comes in. He comes in and corrects us. You're doing it the wrong way here. That's not what I want. And we have to change some things. We can't be deceived. We have to know who he is. We have to know who God is. Third, third point is this, and I'm almost done. I said this earlier. What are God's good gifts? What are God's good gifts? Let's look at that scripture again. It says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift. Did you know the perfect gift always isn't the one you want? Remember when you were a kid at Christmas? Uh, this is the best illustration, because this happened to me every year. It's happened every year. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to say which grandma, because th that grandma might be watching. You got to be careful there. I'm kidding. But as a kid, you know, you're expecting, like, you see that big old box, and you're like, oh my gosh. There's something good in there. There's something so good in there. It's something I want, right? It's something I need. Ah, oh, it's something I want. And you open it up, and you're, you know, it's wrapped up. You know, you're, you're going through it. 
and it's a, a bunch of socks. Just a bunch of socks. And I remember looking at my grandma like, this is it? Like, a bunch of socks? And her words were this, I knew it's what you needed. Sometimes the gift we need isn't what we want, but it's always the perfect gift. The good gifts of God, sometimes they're the perfect gifts. And the perfect gifts aren't always the ones that you want. The perfect gift might be Him correcting you. That's a gift. How's that a gift, Pastor Reese? Because who is God to care for man, as the psalmist wrote? That He'd be mindful of Him. That He'd look down upon Him. That's a gift. That He would even want to correct us and take us into a place of reconciliation with Him. You know, and then you have other situations like when you're 18 and you're about to go off to college. I'm looking at him because he knows what's coming. You see this big old box right next to the tree and you're like, woo, I'm going to cause something good. And then you open it up and it's a chainsaw. My dad bought me a chainsaw for Christmas when I was going to college. Again, sometimes it's not the perfect gift, but I guess it's what you need, right? And I look at him and I go, a chainsaw, really? He goes, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to it and use it until you need it. <laughs> I thought, okay, thanks. Thanks, Dad. I bought me some shoes or a jacket or something to wear. For God. No, chainsaw. He bought me other things. I'm just, I'm just giving him a hard time. But we have to understand, we can't be deceived. We have to understand that every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. And we have to give God thanks for it. You know, one of the things I think we fail to do at times is we need to give God thanks in all things. Even when that perfect gift isn't the one we wanted. We have to give Him thanks. What are some of His perfect gifts for us? Think of this. His love. His love for you. That's a gift. His mercy for you. That's a gift. His life-giving spirit in nature for you. It says that he gives life to our mortal bodies, Romans 8. He gives us life. That's a gift. His healing, that's a gift. His forgiveness, that's a gift. His holy word, that's a gift. His voice. He could say, I don't want to speak to you. That's a gift. His salvation. That's a gift. His protection. His power. His thoughts. His redemption. His grace. His provision. His deliverance. I wrote so many scriptures with that, but I don't have time to go through every single one of them. Those are gifts that God, I could go on. We could spend an hour talking about the gifts of God. But we have to know where they're coming from. And we have to acknowledge it. I was recently at the chiropractor because we wanted to go to make sure that, you know, we were all good from this latest accident. And I'm talking to the lady as she's x-raying my neck and my back. I'm telling her what happened at the one that we had in June. Some of y'all may remember that one. And because we, we had to give a history of accidents so they know in relation to how they can work on our bodies. And so I'm telling her, and she looked at me and goes, man, you were lucky. I said, no, I'm going to give God thanks. God protected me, ma'am. And she was a little surprised when I said that. See, 
we shouldn't be ashamed to give God thanks for the things that he gives us. Why would I be ashamed of that? They're gifts from him. I should be proclaiming it. I'm not saying you be boastful and prideful. But when God does something good for you, share it with somebody. Tell them about it. Because that same God that did something good for you wants to do something good for someone else. He doesn't change. He's the same. He's the unconditional God. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you right now that you're the unconditional God, that you never change, that you're the same regardless of our situation, that, Lord, you call us not to be deceived like in this word from James. You call us not to be deceived or, or to allow the situations in our life to change our perception of you, God. No, 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 no. You're the same. So, Lord, even when it looks hopeless, there's still hope because hope does not disappoint because it's in you, God. Lord, I believe there's people in this room maybe this morning who have struggled with that. Who may have walked into this place wondering, God, are you the same God that met me years ago in that powerful meeting, in that powerful moment, or, or in that encounter? Are you still that same God? And Lord, I pray that you would speak into their hearts that yes, you are. You're that same God. That same God that still loves them. Maybe even though they stumbled, you still love them. I thank you that your grace is unconditional. I thank you that your love is unconditional. It's always there. And God, all you call us to do is go to it. All you call us to do is grab hold of it and to receive it. It's so simple, but God, we make it so difficult. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive all that you have for us today. If, if maybe that's you, every eye closed, head bowed, if that's you, maybe just lift your hand this morning. If I can pray for you. If that's you, maybe you've struggled with that. Maybe you felt as if, you know, because of your situation that God's view of you has changed. Thank you. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you so much that it hasn't changed. I thank you that you are the same forever. Today, the next day, forevermore. When we all stand before you in heaven, you're the same. And we'll see you in your glory, God. And we'll look back on our lives and we'll realize, God, you were there at every moment. You were there at every moment. You never left us. You never forsake us. And so, Lord, we trust you in this season in our lives. Because, Lord, the only season we have is the one that we're in. And we trust you, God. We trust you as a church. We trust you in what you're doing and how you're working in us as a body. And Lord, we're believing as we go forward. God, I thank you for this building. I can just see it in my mind right now. And it's not even about the building, God. It's about what you did for that building to be built. It's about how, God, you moved, how you miraculously moved and provided all the stories, God, that we'll be able to line up with the message of this building. God, it's like we should put it on a plaque in front of it. This is what God did to get us here. This is what God did to get us here. This is what God did, did to get us here. And church, there's been trials. Think about it. There's been difficulties that maybe have been allowed, but God was still the same through it all. And we thank you for that, Father. Lord, I thank you for your people. I pray your blessings over them today. I pray your protection again over them. And I thank you for the good gifts that you have for them. Lord, let our hearts be open to you, Father. And we praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.
church, be blessed today. Be encouraged today. I pray that this encourages you all to know this. You serve an unconditional God. He doesn't change. The only time he changes is if you let him change in your heart on how you choose to see him. Amen. Be blessed today.